Welcome to the second half. I'm your host, Melanie Kenneman, and I'm excited to spend the next hour with you interviewing some of my favorite people in the world. Uh, you know, a lot of people put a lot of weight in the first half of any game, and what they don't realize, it's actually in the second half. The things that you do, the actions you take, the mindset you have that sets you up to win or fail at anything that you do or at any game. Today's episode features Tim Heil. You may recognize him. He's a real estate guru from Austin, Texas. His team will do somewhere around a billion dollars in sales this year. Uh, that's $22 million in GCI. He's the founder of Homeward and lots of other things. But you're, there's so many nuggets in this session. So I really, really can't wait to introduce you to my friend, Tim Heil. Tim Heil, I am so honored to have you spend uh, the next, you know, forty-five minutes or so with us. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me, and and I, I was happy to do it just because you and I don't get to connect anymore like we used to. So just uh, good good time to do that too. I know exactly. I'm like, well, I'm just going to ask Tim to be my guest so I can spend a little time with him. Uh, I think your story is amazing, and so I just kind of want to talk about from the beginnings to now and all the different things that you've done because you really remind me of somebody that's always playing to win and you know you're not afraid to make mistakes you just brush right off you you know and you you are such a visionary and i've just loved knowing you over the last decade yeah well thanks for having me it's such such a treat um to be able to spend more time with you melanie um, talk about your starting in real estate yeah for sure so i was 21 years old um i'm young for my for my grade in school so i graduated when i was 21 and um, I was trying to get a job. I was a finance major in 2009 when the, you know, the world had just fallen, the economy had just fallen out. Um, and so I, you know, I couldn't get a job. I interviewed, I, I think I had 30 interviews at like Wells Fargo and banks, all kinds of banks and um, bank like um, jobs and didn't get any offers. And I had gotten my real estate license because I thought it would be this cool thing to have on the side for fun um, in college in my senior year in college. And I ended up, um, falling into this as a full-time career because, you know, I, I basically, I, even, even in my first few months, um, after I had joined Keller Williams, which was over 12 years ago, um, I had, I was still interviewing for jobs thinking I'm surely I'm not going to be a real estate agent full-time. That's not um, what I got my my degree in from, right? My finance degree. I love it. That's right. You know? And so, um, you know, I was, I was, while I was interviewing for jobs, um, I asked my dad, I said, well, it's not going so well. Um, can, can you introduce me to anybody in real estate? And so he said, well, there's this um, woman who, um, whenever I think about real estate agents, successful real estate agents, um, there's this woman that I always go back to. Her name's Althea Osborne. She used to sell, my dad's a home builder. She, he said, she used to sell my houses back in the day, but we're, we've remained really good friends. You should talk to her. So I came in town, I dressed up in a, in a three-piece suit and I um, thought, I, thought I was going on a job interview um, and I met with her and she gave me the red book, the Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. And um, she kind of told me about real estate and um, I went home and I, I read the red book and I was just fascinated. I immediately went from thinking about a real estate agent as somebody who you know, drives around town, opening up doors and, and showing houses and kind of all the thoughts that I had in my head, um, which were a lot of negative thoughts about what I had in my head about a real, a real estate agent. All of a sudden I read this book about being an entrepreneur that was like, you know, it was basically like business 101. And instantly I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like I, I could, I could see myself doing this. And so I was all excited to go build this, build this, um, basically follow the blue, follow the blueprint. And so I, I got my license connected to Keller Williams to the Southwest Market Center. And I joined the, whatever the connect class was, I think it was called launch at the time or right, so, something the new else. Age, it's like camp 443 and the new yeah. age program. Yep. Exactly. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think, I think it was at least six months, maybe a little bit longer than six months that I don't know if I did a single deal. I would come in the office, kind of walk around, you know, have some conversations at the coffee machine and like, just like not get anything done. And 
Um, but I had this big plan. I even, I'd heard you need to build a database. So I'd gone to my wedding registry and like copied and pasted over and like started to build this big database. And I spent like eight or nine hours a day doing stuff. I don't really know what I was doing, but I was not getting clients and I was not selling houses or making money. And I was living in my parents' basement um, and driving to and from the market center and honestly really frustrated with myself. And I remember um, getting plugged into what, what uh, it was the, I think it was the very first or maybe second ever class, um, bold, bold class that Keller Williams oh, had done. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, kind of the rest started to take off. I took that class. I understood, oh, okay. So you got to, I learned like funnel math. Like you make a certain amount of, you talk to a certain amount of people, you get a certain amount of face-to-face appointments, a certain number percentage of those people hire you. And then you sell a certain amount of houses, a percentage based on each of the numbers before. And when I realized that I went, okay, well, this is a numbers game and it's a, you know, less numbers for people who have really good relationships and more numbers for people who don't have any relationships like me. And so I just picked up the phone book and I started calling through Crestview, a neighborhood in Austin and, and um, re- realized very quickly that the numbers, if you just talk to enough people, it works out really well. And, and so for the next, um, for the next uh, three and a half years straight without ever missing a day, I made a thousand phone calls a day. Um, and I just called people who um, were, maybe they were a for sale by owner, they, their house had been on the market before and it came off or they were just in my neighborhood or whatever it was. And um, I literally, my goal was to talk to every single homeowner in and around Austin and find out if they were willing to have a real, have a ongoing relationship around, um, around home ownership and their move. And it worked out really, really well. And to, I think in 2012, Austin Business Journal named me the number one selling real estate agent. I was 24 years old or 24, I was 24 years old. Um, and, you know, all I did was just, I spent 10 hours a day talking to homeowners and um, maybe two hours a day listing property or, or negotiating contracts. And over time that started to adjust. And so what I, what I did is I took my, the commissions I made and I started hiring people. I hired people to continue to engage in those phone conversations with, um, with folks or, or I um, hired people to go show houses um, to buyers that I had that, so that those buyers could go see houses whenever they wanted and not have to wait on my schedule. Um, I hired other people to market listings or manage transactions. And um, I basically had a small, small little team um, where I was really the agent that the customers were hiring, but I had this like incredible support all around me. Um, and it worked out really well. And over time, I started bringing on agents and built my real estate team. And real quick, before you co- before we continue, and I know, oh, and then you just ended up being like one of the best in the country. But you know, there's that. And so before we go there, though, Tim, I think so. When I moved to Austin in January of 2011, so you had been yep. in kind of just over a year, year and a half, or something like that, right? And so yeah. I've really known you this whole journey, and and. And I think one thing that really stuck out for me is I watched you right in front of my eyes grow from a kid to a man, right? Into a business owner. And I know you smile. I remember when you would go see your your now wife of your beautiful family and stuff like that, but you would go visit her, right? And and you would go visit her on weekends and listen to this. I thought that was so amazing. So you made the decision that you didn't want to work with buyers because you wanted to control your calendar. And you've got not many people, a lot of agents that get into the business. And it's not just agents that listen to this but it's the it's the majority of our audience right um is is you got that time if you could want to control your time you want to focus on listings and you also knew that listings would uh bring more business and i i forget if it was your second or third year that you did like it was something like 60 transactions and 52 of them or something were listings right is that right yeah i remember because i've told the story so many times so i remember the exact i did 65 units and 55 were i think maybe 56 were because i remember nine were buyers i think and um okay. and like 50 56 i think were sellers that was my second year right. um in the business and then my third year i don't think i did any buyers ever again so um <laughs> and, and and so my but my second year i i did like nine buyer and they were just like they were those sellers that were like hey we need to buy a home this weekend you know you just put our home under contract they weren't like you know going out and trying to find home buyers to go shop around it was it was these like it was seller clients that that right. needed to do both and yeah, I mean, um, that, that was it. I mean, I'll never forget. I remember being at, at a park in Dallas and um, I got another sign call. And, you know, I was like, when a sign call would happen, I'd be like, oh, a buyer lead. And I, 
you know, and I didn't, and I finally was like, man, screw this. I'm not answering this. Like why, why, like I'm, I'm hanging out with Liz. We're like, we're here. Yeah. I don't see her during the week. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, that's why I ended up hiring my first buyer's agent because right. um, I didn't want to answer the sign calls anymore, but I felt guilty. I felt like I was throwing money away by not answering the phone. And so I hired a buyer's agent and I routed the calls to him and I said, you know, have at it. And I think yeah. his first year, I think his first year he sold like over 50 houses. I know it doubled. Listing calls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So you like doubled the opportunity because you just got those off your plate. But I think a lot of people just don't think that strategically. And I think I, I haven't seen that happen with a lot of people. Like I saw it happen with you. And I just, I just want to point that out that you made a decision really early on and, and, you know, you had a lot of failing forward moments, which I think makes you who you are today. Right. Um, and all of us have them. Everyone has it. Right. But it's not about what happens to you. And that's why I call it the second half. It's how you show up. It's what you do with it when life happens. And you always yeah. were just, Right. And so let, so, so yeah, I was going to say, gonna to say a couple, a couple of things come, come to mind on that. Like number one, um, the, the other reason that I was not, that, that I was not working with buyers is because when I had first tried to, to be consistent, I learned, okay, funnel math. If I make a certain amount of phone calls, I talk to a certain amount of people, I get a certain amount of appointments. I take a certain amount of clients. I sell a certain amount of houses and I knew what the numbers were. So then I had targets. And then when I had targets, I just knew every day I had to hit, come in and hit those targets. And, and I wasn't, what would happen is I had a buyer and their, their inspection deadline was approaching on Monday morning and, you know, whatever it was, or I had like a, a house hit the market and we need to go see it before somebody else buys it. Or I had all these like urgent pressing things that would just pull me out of the office and I couldn't do, I couldn't maintain control of, I, I, I was very, I was very, very purposefully oriented in I'm building a business. And if I want to build a business, I need to be consistent and I need to like go out and hit these targets and build this thing. Um, and I, and I was constantly being pulled away. And so that was another reason I said, I can't, um, I can't do that. I need to be very focused. And you can, when you take a listing, you're in control, you're marketing the property, you're, you know, you're managing how, where those calls go. You're, you're in full control on a listing, um, on a buy on a, with a buyer, you're in, you're in less control. Um, and it takes, and it takes more time and, um, it's a little bit less leveraged. And so, yeah, I made that decision and, um, and it worked out really well. But then um, to your point about the second half, um, I made all kinds of mistakes um, along the way. I was like, I made lots of good decisions and I made all kinds of bad decisions. One of them, just like, you know, I hired, I didn't invest in the people that I hired. I did not manage them well or set them up for success. Um, you know, now when, when I hire somebody today, we have this like huge onboarding document. It's like, spend the first, you know, 30 days under orienting yourself and understanding how the company works and what you're here to do and ask questions and let's get you. But like back then it was like day one. Um, I need you for X. Like I didn't realize when you hire somebody, they're anti-leverage before they become, you know, um, leverage. And, and, um, man, I made all kinds of mistakes there. I had people quit on me. I did, I did, um, you walk out one day. You had eat, right. Yeah. I remember that yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I had, uh, I, I, I also had, sorry, go ahead. It just, Tim, it changed your leadership style. I think you looked at things differently after then, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely took a hit to my confidence for a little bit, but it also caused me to be a little bit wiser about, you know, how I interacted with people and, um, Exactly. Exactly. I think, I think it was really painful for you. And, and, and honestly, you recovered very well. And I think you came out of that stronger than ever, honestly. Um, I think it made you kind of relook at everything about your leadership style and how you want the team to look like. And I think you told yourself, I'll never be in that position again. And, and you, you'd never have found yourself in that position again. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. It, that was a, that was a huge journey for me. And, you know, but then, but then I went and made other mistakes. I hired too many buyer's agents because I thought that I needed a bunch of them. Um, and so I found myself, you know, banging my head up against a wall, trying to train brand new agents um, instead of really, I think, I think I ended up doing like, I think I had one agent who did like 60 units. And then I found myself with like 12 agents that were doing a combined like 80 units. And I was going, wait a minute, <laughs> this, didn't, this didn't scale, right? Uh, what am I doing? What am I doing here? And so I, I learned a lot of lessons um, along the way. I mean, literally 
more than I could, I mean, I could be here for hours talking about the things I learned from my, from my mistakes, but it's been a, it's been a long journey. It's been a very fun journey. Um, where do you want to focus? Which mistake do you want to talk know, about? I'm not, I'm not here to focus on mistakes and they're not mistakes. They're learning opportunities. And, and so, right. and honestly, That's no, right. I just wanted to talk about you. You say exactly what I was hoping you'd say. You went through the process of growing and then, and then you brought Gene Rivers into your world. Right. And I, I just saw you like explode after that. And then you brought people like Matt Patulski in your world. And you, then you started expanding into multiple cities. Like there was never a ceiling and, and yet you always, always got into coaching early on, right? You always yeah. have to surround yourself with coaches and you, and like when we remember, remember the AVA, remember the AVA before we had career visioning and those were $250 a pop and you would be still out there looking for talent all the time, spending that money to yeah, get in front yeah. of people. Remember that? I mean, yeah. it was a different yeah. time back then. So, was, so yeah, talk about that a little bit. Why did, because one thing you've always done, Tim, is you've always made lead generating for people and talent nearly as or more important than than for leads and listings like you're always doing both since since you made that decision it seems to me yeah you know um you mentioned matt matt um matt runs our team today and man getting a getting a guy like that i mean anytime that you're able to get into business with somebody who i mean takes control and just takes takes ownership and takes it to the next level you realize finding one gem like that yeah. is better than 200 um, hires that are okay, mediocre, yep. good, not yep. great. Um, and and it, honestly, like that, it took me a while. It took me up hiring a lot of people before I found Matt. But since finding Matt, I recognized the value and I was on like a hunt to go find, can I get a second Matt? Um, and honestly, like Matt and I are in business with some pretty cool people today. And it's taken, I mean, 12 years of, I mean, honestly, a lot of, a lot, a lot of hires, um, a lot yeah. that work, work for, for, uh, for me today, but, um, when you find somebody that that good, you realize the value. And the, I mean, you literally can retire on finding one amazing person. You can literally yeah. just yeah. retire and make more money than you were, than when you were hustling around 80 <laughs> hours a week. Yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you realize the value in that and you realize that you have to both, I heard somebody call it battle and build. It's like, you got to keep that, like doing the work and, and, and battling. And that's probably a 50 hour a week thing. And then you got to build, you got to like wake up every day and think about how do I work on the business? And typically working on the business is finding somebody really amazing or helping somebody really amazing, get up to speed and, and leading them. Um, you know, those are typically like the two most leveraged things that you can do to build. And yeah. if you're not that building while also battling. If you if you're only doing one, um, if you're just building and you're not battling, your business is going to fall apart. If you're just battling and you're not building, you're going to be on this never-ending hamster wheel. And so you got to find a way to do both. I was very fortunate in that I was a young single guy whose girlfriend at the time lived lived in um, a different city, and so I was able to like work a lot. I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. But today I have three kids um, under the age of six and a wife and um, lots of other responsibilities. And I still find a way to battle and build. It's just hard, way harder. I have way more respect for people with families and responsibility than I did back then. Um, it's very difficult to um, own a business, be a business owner and try and be servicing your clients and helping your employees and building for the future. And also like having a family and a life and, yeah. um, you know, winning in all of those areas. And yeah, I, I definitely do not always win in those areas. Like right now I'm out of balance. My, my fitness is like gone to crap. Like I've got a, my morning routine is not what it used to be. And so yep. like, I am constantly like, you know, three years ago, I did an Ironman the, right now. I haven't worked out in a week, um, you know, in the, in, the, in, the last, in the last seven days. And so I, I definitely go in ups and downs, but it's this constant um, you've got to be focused on battle and build. You've got to be willing to get out of balance in certain areas sometimes, but know that it's unhealthy to stay out of balance in, in any area, in any major life area for too long. And, um, yeah, I live that every day. I'm living yeah. that right now. And it's, and it's hard. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. Before we move on, I want to come back to, uh, your relationship with Matt. And, uh, I remember when, when you, I remember that cause I got to meet with him too. And you and I were having conversations about him and you told me 
that you had a conversation with him and uh, and you had said to him, you know, how do how do how do I know you're going to stay and be loyal, right? How do I know I'm not going to teach you everything? Because, right? Because it, because I met Matt through his dad. His dad was his right. dad was a was a real estate coach, That's and nice. I had done some work with him. Yeah. And uh, and he he had he had told me, you know, he said my son, you know, like everybody talks about their sons, that my son he's pretty special, and. Yeah. And, and like, he's probably going to start his own thing with me. Like maybe he and I'll start something or he'll start something on his own. Maybe he'll come and learn from you for a little bit. And I thought, well, yeah, he told me that I said, that kind of feels like a waste of my time. I don't know. Um, So when I met with Matt, I said, I said, you seem like a pretty, you seem like you have tons of potential. Um, You know, what kind of, what kind of timeframe do I have with you thinking, you know, like, you know, it's, it's totally fine if you yeah, come in, but I want to invest in you just to leave in six months. Is this, right. is this a one year thing? Is this a two year thing? And he said, as long as my, um, he said something to the extent of, um, as long as I have more opportunity in front of me and my world can keep getting bigger, I don't have a reason to leave. I'm not trying to go build the Matt Potolsky Inc business or whatever. Um, he, he said, I'm here. He said, these are my values. He laid out, he's very mature for a 22 year or whatever, however old he was. Right. He said, these are the five most important values in my life. As long as, long as I'm meeting these and um, continuing to grow within each of them, I don't, I can't imagine why I would leave. And so that basically became my, well, I, I said, okay, well, this is my, if I want, if you're good, then now I know how to keep you. Thank you for telling me that. Right. And so, but, but like, let's go see if you're any good. And so for about a year, I, I um, we had to see if he was any good. And, and, you know, he outsold everybody in his first year. And, and he really um, did the, he put him in the trenches. Like he didn't get like right to the top. Like he started at the very bottom and, and I mean, kept worse than the bottom, worse than the bottom. Yeah. We, we had, um, if, if, if people didn't answer after we called him like 10 times, we, we would put them in this little bucket called trash, you know, in the CRM or if, or if people were like, if people were like, um, if they had, uh, said like, oh, we're not selling our house rent anymore. Like we're not, we would put them in archive. And so we only let Matt call, I only let Matt call archive and trash. And um, he, that's all he called. And he somehow stirred up like 55 units his first year. Um, and he, and, and sold, I mean, just crushed it. Amazing. And, but, but what, was, what, was cool, what was cooler than that was that he, um, he, he became a leader on the floor with everybody who was already, who had already been there, who was more experienced than him. And when it came time for when I was trying to market expand, um, I tapped him and I said, can you help me? Can you help me do that? And um, it was just sort of a natural move. Everybody on the team went, yeah, you know, we would love to follow Matt, you know, in whatever that way that looks. And and so so then I, then I had my roadmap of of how do I stay in business with Matt? And so every day I just woke up and made sure that I was, you know, exceeding whatever his goals were in those areas made sure I'm exceeding, you know, that opportunity. And we've been able to remain business. I mean, he's a, as close of a business partner as they come today, you know, yeah, he, he, totally. he, he took that ownership mentality without having ownership. And then it made me hurry up and try and figure out how to give him ownership because that's a mentality that, I mean, without having a co-founder, when you're like waking up every day and having all the responsibility, you want somebody to shoulder some of that responsibility with you. And you're willing to, you know, this, this life is not all about money. You're very, will, very quickly willing to give up money to be able to have somebody shoulder that responsibility and that care. And so that was like a gift when he came on like that. Yeah. And, and I, I only wanted to go there because I tell that story all the time that, that Matt said to you, well, if you make my world big enough, why would I ever leave? Like if my, if my, so it was something like that. I remember you telling me if my world's bigger in your world, why would I ever go? Right. And, and I tell people that all the time when they're not creating opportunity for people in their world, right? Like if they have the right person, I think sometimes they don't, they, they don't open up opportunity for the right person they already have. Right. And so I think you have done so great with that. And so I, I'm really glad that you talked a little bit about that and he earned the right. You didn't just put him in there. Right. It was just kind of a natural progression. And, and anyway, all right. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit. So now today I t- talk a little bit, a little bit about the team. What does that look like? How many, how many cities are you in? What kind of volume you think you guys will do this year? And you might not know because Matt's probably in charge of all that. I did not ask you to have that ready. I, I know, no, that's okay. I know some of the answers. So okay. I think I think that we will do just under a billion dollars in in volume. Um, Amazing. So probably in the like eight fifty to nine fifty um, range, which I think is around 
Um, I think it'll be like 22 million in total GCI. Um, and that basically is from- That is amazing. Thank you, thank you. So proud of you. Um, well, it's not me, you know, I stopped I running that thing. I stopped <laughs> running that thing at about 8 million and uh, Matt's, Matt's continued to, uh, to climb. You know, sometimes getting the crazy optimizer out of the room and just letting people execute and do their thing is, is the right path. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like constantly trying to iterate on things and sometimes like that's really good and sometimes that's really detrimental. And um, I think having me go work on something else where I could go tinker on the next thing, um, it gave space to the people that could just wake up every day and go execute on the same thing over and over and over again. And that's what they've done for three years. Um, they've just, we, we had a plan, we shook hands. Um, I went to go start Homeward and Matt went to go execute on that plan and has just done a phenomenal job. And so, yeah, I mean, the business is cash flowing more than it's ever cash flowed. It's um, the culture is be way better than it's ever been at scale. It's like the culture is what it was when we were small. When nice. like we talk, we always talk about the glory days at Homeward, the glory days are at, uh, at the Heil Group. The glory days at the Heil Group were in like, I think like 2014 ish, 2013, 2014. Like, you know, you know, all the, all yeah. the, Katie Collins and Seth and Matt, well. yes. Andrew Cavazos and like, you know, yeah. you know we, we were a very tight, tight group and tight team. And, and uh, the culture was like amazing, yeah. but we were, but it was small. It was controllable. We all sat here and looked at each other. And if we were going to make a change, I could just tell everybody and they'd give me the benefit of the doubt and we'd go execute on a change. Now today we've got agents in, you know, multiple different States and all kinds of different cities. And, um, and, you know, there's, a, there's gotta be, um, a lot of trust and clear communication and um, operations that are consistent. And, right. um, you know, it's just, it's, it's very, it's difficult to be like you were when you were small, but we were able to find what were the things that made us great when we were small? How have we gotten away from that? How do we get rid of the things that we shouldn't have done and implement the things at a more, at a bigger scale that made us great? Um, and part of that was, you know, we, we had gotten to like 75 or 80 agents and we were doing like, I don't know, maybe like 7 million. And today we're still at about 75 or 80 agents, but now we're doing, you know, three times that, um, three yeah. times the business. We're much right. more profitable and we're much, we're a much better culture. The problem was we had started, at, we had gotten loose and adding more agents than we needed to have at the time. Um, and that started to shift a lot of things in our business model in a bad way. And so we cut, we went down to, I think down to 18 agents. Um, we went through this like massive, um, cleansing, which was very painful, um, about three years ago, three and a half years ago, it was very painful. Um, but we went from like almost 80 agents to like 18. Um, yeah. we maintained, we, we were about flat that year. We maintained, um, our seven or 8 million in GCI, whatever it was. And then, uh, and then we re and then we started building again and, and, uh, but, but with the, in the right way this time. And yeah. it was incredible. We had, we had to have one flat year. And, and then from, from that, um, kept going and, and it's been awesome to watch. That's, that's so cool. Okay. So I know you're in uh, Atlanta area, you're in Dallas, you're in just a couple cities top ahead. What, where, where else are you? You're in San Antonio. Denver, we're in Denver. Um, we're in Austin, Dallas, Houston, Denver, Atlanta. Okay. Um, San Antonio was our first expansion market. I remember um, that. Yeah. yeah. You know, Jason was, <laughs> Jason, uh, just passed away. Um, oh just recently, but he was, he was my first expansion agent. Um, awesome guy. I think we sold like 60 houses with him in our first year in San Antonio, but, um, San Antonio is, has, has, uh, we've got to get San Antonio cranking again. That that's a city. That's an opportunity city for us. Well, well, I'm happy to have, we have expansion at the North again too. So I'm very happy about that. So Daniel's rocking sure. it here in communication all the time. So I love it. So it goes both ways. So we're, we're very happy to have by the way, speaking of Daniel, like he's one of those guys, he, he is my story just in a small way, like he, in a, in a, in a, in a shorter time span way, like he, he came in and I watched him for almost two years, sit in a room with a headset on, probably everybody thought it was as boring as could be. Um, he didn't interact a ton with the team, but he just came in. It was like going to the gym. The guy came in every day and just took care of business every day. And all of a sudden, Matt told me he's managing the entire Austin team and the Austin team is bigger than it's ever really been before. And I'm going, Daniel, 
like, like the Daniel that was always just sitting in the room. He's like, yeah, he came in, took care of business every day. Everybody gets behind him now because they see his results and he's a great leader. I'm going, that is so cool. Like what a great, yeah. We have people all the time, new agents who come in and say, I'm going to give it everything. I'm going to do all the right things. I'm going to focus. I'm going to give it everything it takes, you know, and some stick around, some come in and leave and some, some, you know, do okay. But that, but like, it's, it's, it's awesome when you see somebody like Daniel just come in, take care of business over and over and over again. He probably made no money for his first six months. I would guess. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's like the typical story. You start in the business, those people who are resilient and are willing to like put their ego aside and um, have delayed gratification and, and willing to just like grit it out for a period of time, you hit this um, inflection point in business and you never have to do it ever again. It's like a rite of passage. Um, and if you talk to most of the successful people in this business, they went through some kind of that, like might've been six months, might've been a year, but they go through this rite of passage where um, they put in the work. It was difficult, but it's like, it's hardest at the beginning and it gets easier as you go and you start making more money and, you know. So true. I, I love stories like that, right? I love stories like unexpected, like champions like that. That's really, really cool. So, okay, before we move on to the next part of this, uh, moving right along, see, you thought we're like, how in the world will we go for an hour? And I'm like, I wish we had two hours. Um, so, so let's talk, this is a question I always ask my guests, my dear, is what does playing to win look like to you? Mm-hmm. Question. You know, I, I think, I don't really know any other way. I mean, I, I, it's not, not because I'm like winning all the time. I feel like I'm losing all the time. I feel like I'm like every day is another battle that I've lost. Um, but, but I mean, I think for me, playing to win is just like assuming, assuming that you're going to figure it out. Assuming that like in my mind, since day one, I've sort of had a vision of what I wanted to do. And that vision was very unclear, but it was very, it was very like simple in the early days. It was just like, Oh, I want to, I want to actually build a business and have people have a company of people that are doing things. And I would love to be in this role, this like leveraged role. And uh, I had this like simplistic idea of what I wanted. And every year that it's gotten more and more clear. Um, but I've always assumed that I'm going to achieve that, whatever, whatever the vision is. And I've always, there's never like, it doesn't matter anything that anybody says or any new information that I get, whether it's like, whatever it is, it, any negative new information that I get, it, it's, there's no ounce, there's no like in my mind, that's just like, oh, okay, well then I would have to, I've got to change course if I was still going to go do this thing. But it's this, I think it's like an assumptive life. It's like, oh, I'm moving in this direction. This is where I'm going there's, there's a lot, like, there's lots of reasons why I'm going to have to change course along the way, but there's never a moment of, of, of self-doubt, right? There's never, there's moments of doubt of like around lots of things, but there's never a moment of like, am I good enough? Or can I make this? It's like, I'm just going to have to figure it out. I'm probably not good enough, which is why I'm gonna have to like get better. Um, But it's this assumption of like, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. Some, somehow it's going to, and I think that, is probably what playing to win is like. I think if you look at like the, the best athletes out there, which was definitely not, not me, um, but it, but probably the best athletes out there probably have a similar mindset. It's just an assumptive, um, I'm going to win. It might not be this year, but I'm going to win the championship. Um, and that's just like, sort of like the blinders go on because they, that decision's sort of been made. Um, I love that. It's almost like yeah. assuming it's possible, right? Like assume, like a lot of people tell themselves, they give that self-talk of why it shouldn't. And you're just like, well, yeah, I mean, I might have bumps along the way, but it's happening. I'm going to make it happen. Um, okay, so with yeah. that, you talked about making room for Matt. Okay, you ma- made room for Matt. You got out, you let him run the team. You said, I'm going on to my next thing. Let's talk about Homeward. I want to talk about Homeward a little bit. And yeah, I, yeah. Love, I love why you created Homeward. So let, let's talk about Homeward. What is it? Uh, you know, you won the Inman Innovators Award for that. I was so proud when you're standing there on stage with all of those things and they picked Tim Heil and Homeward. I was like, woohoo! You know, let's talk about that and why you started that and what that does for you today. Yeah, you know, the, the truth is, Melanie, there's lots of there's lots of things that led to Homeward, but the core, the core, um, the core poll for Homeward was I was trying to build the Howl Group. Every day since the day I got into real estate, 
I've, I've had a challenging time trying to generate business. Um, at first, I didn't generate any. Then I had to work 12 hours a day on the phone to generate, you know, what, what felt like not nearly enough for the time I was putting in. Um, and then I started to get referrals, but not nearly enough compared to the network that I have. Um, and I, it just always, the, even though my business has grown every year, it's like, I never felt like I cracked the code on how to, I felt like I was always having to try really, really, really hard to go out and get business. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to, I felt like the best businesses out there, the customers go to the business. How do I, if I really want to scale the Heil group all across the country, I need to change something here. And I need to figure out how to get customers to come to me. And that's really hard when you're in a sea of what I, what I now call a sea of sameness. You know, there's in any city you go into, there's 15 or 20,000 real estate agents who yeah. all offer some version of the same thing. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be a trusted um, uh, advisor who will be, who will help guide you through this process that you don't know very well. And I'm also a local expert who can give you advice, but, and that's great, but I feel like just walk in any real estate office and there's like all these people that say the same thing. How do I stand out from the crowd? And so what I wanted to do is I recognized that um, the companies like Open Door came on the scene and they said um, something very different. They said, click this button and it'll give you a, and we'll send you a cash offer for your house. And all of a sudden they started generating way more listings than I had ever generated in my life. Um, and I was trying really, really hard. And I thought, you know what they did is they changed the message. They just changed the message. They had, to, they had to deliver on that, but they changed the message. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to create an iBuyer because that message really works. And as I like started looking into it, I realized, wait a minute, that's not, I, first of all, the economics don't work. It doesn't, it's not good for the agent. There were all these reasons why I was like, this, this, is, not, this is not the path that I should go down, but I should create something that solves problems that are not being solved very well um, that happened before the transaction starts. That way, if I could do that successfully, then people would want to come and use me to help them buy and sell homes. And, right. Yeah. And so, and so I spent a lot of time writing down every single problem and talking to all my agents and talking to all my customers that have passed clients and things. And I basically started bucketing every problem that I feel like exists in home buying. And a lot of them kept coming back to um, trying to secure trying to secure the house that you wanted when you wanted. And so what I realized is there was an opportunity for what I kind of refer to as alternative financing, like different ways to secure the house that aren't necessarily just go get approved for a mortgage and um, and make a contingent offer and, and get the mortgage. All, all kinds of problems. One of the ones that I'm most passionate about, I just started a nonprofit. Homeward is starting a nonprofit called Forward Communities, which I'm super excited about. But what we're doing is we're helping, um, we're, we're, we're basically, I'll, I'll give you the problem statement here. Um, in May, do, you, do you know that Austin, Texas, Melanie, where we are, is the most economically segregated city in the United States of America? Oh, really? I did not know that. And Houston and Dallas and San Antonio are also in the top seven. Wow. Um, before before the Texas Metro. Wow. Four of the top seven. Four of the top wow. seven are all four metros in Texas. Wow. And if you, if you look at just met, major metro cities all across the country, all are in like the top tier. Uh, basically, the big cities, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And a lot of it has to do, truthfully, with home ownership. Um, and, and so in Austin, it's getting very unaffordable. You see housing prices skyrocketing, but incomes not nearly at the same rate. And so this is, this is the affordability, the home affordability crisis, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And so if you're a teacher, you know, that teaches in Eanes or Austin ISD, but you got to go live up in, you know, hour, hour, and, a, hour and a half away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe you clean houses in, in, uh, in South Austin, but you got to go out and live in Elgin or something, you know, and, and it's like, um, it's becoming a major problem. And so what, what our, what forward communities is doing is trying to close the home, the home affordability gap. And there's been different things that have been good for that. Like there's like in Mueller here in Austin, there's a, there's that, um, affordable housing community in Mueller, right. um, which is awesome, by the way. Awesome. 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 The, the, the downside of it is that you have to live in Mueller. It's, it's, obvious, it's restricted because it's a development. And then you can't build wealth because when you sell it, you have to sell it to another afford, uh, as, a, as an affordable unit. So you can't build wealth, right. um, which we know is a big part of homeownership. And so um, 
you know, there's also been like government down payment assistance programs, but they're giving money away. And so they can only give a little bit to each person because they're spreading it across and it runs out every year. So it's, it's not very sustainable and it's not very impactful for each individual. You know, you get 10 grand or whatever. And so we wanted to figure out how can we apply like an affordable housing like Mueller um, concept to anywhere in the city, essentially, um, in a way that you can, that these people, that these um, home buyers could actually build wealth um, at, in, in this home purchase? How can you actually help, you know, low income families become homeowners and, and reap all the rewards of home ownership and try and close that economic segregation and home affordability gap? And so that's what we're trying to tackle with this. I bring it up because it is in the spirit of what Homeward's trying to do. Homeward's trying to solve home financing problems. Um, and this is one of them is affordability is just one of the problems. It's the yeah. one I probably would have wanted to tackle first with Homeward, but it's a really, really hard problem to solve. And so what we're doing is we're providing um, what's basically referred to as um, a shared appreciation second mortgage. So let's say, Melanie, you can afford a $100,000 mortgage, but you need to, but you need to buy a $300,000 home. So what we'll do is we, we can go in and provide a second mortgage um, for the, for the other 200,000 that is, um, that is going to share, that is basically an investment instead, instead of a lien. And so it doesn't give you any debt or any liability, and it doesn't make, create any monthly cost for you. It enables you to just have your $100,000 mortgage and own a third of the house. Um, well, you own, you own all of the house, but when you sell, you would pay back the investment plus the one-to-one -one upside on that. And you would be right. able to make the, the appreciation on a third of the home. Um, and so it's basically a, it's basically these, this concept of saying like, you know, we think that home buying can only happen through mortgages, but it could actually happen through um, share, shared investments. And what would that look like if you did that um, for like a really good cause and a really good purpose? And then what would that look like if you could apply that into the for-profit space and boost people's buying power? Like what if, Melanie, you wanted to buy a $500,000 house, but you really can only afford 350, but what if Homeward came in and paid an extra 150 so that without taking on any extra debt or payments, you could increase your buying power by 150 grand? That's another problem that we're working on solving for, for, for folks. And so the idea, you know, buy before you sell is what one that we do today and compete with multiple offers. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of problem statements that uh, home buyers experience when they go to buy a home. And what we want to do is we want to go, we're, we've basically created an iBuyer um, that is integrated in with other home services that, that creates these solutions that are affordable, that we actually pay agents more money sometimes than their, their commission, but we never tap into the real estate agent's commission. Right. And, we actually, and we actually enable the customer in a lot of scenarios to, to use our solutions for free or for very, very low cost. And the whole goal here is, can we solve problems that that are that these home buyers experience, or um, whether it's around affordability or liquidity or losing out on on a home, whatever it is, can we solve them? But 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 put that into the agent's hand. And so today, the way agents use Homeward is they have a client who has a problem, and they go, "Oh, well, I heard Homeward can help solve this," and they use Homeward and and right. but, right. but but that's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is the whole reason I started the company. I started the company. So if you go to HeilRealEstate.com, H-E-Y-L, HeilRealEstate.com, you'll see the way that we've, that we've three years ago, basically adjusted our lead generation strategy. We basically took everything that Homeward does and we made it a Heil Group value proposition. Homeward was started with this for the very purpose of backing the Heil Group to go out and figure out how to use everything that Homeward is raising capital and spending all this money to do how group is getting to piggyback that for free and go use it to find customers. So now at dinner parties, um, past clients are literally talking about how the Heil group solved this problem that they had with this amazing like cash offer thing. You need to call Matt Potolsky, you need to call Daniel with the Heil group. And, and so they're literally scaling their business by letting the value propositions that we do be at the forefront of, of referrals for them. And that is what I want to do. What I want to do is get agents to stop being so reactive about, oh, I've got a client who, you know, needs it because they're in this situation. And I want like business owners, forward thinking business owners to go, wait a minute, you, we could literally make this. And, it, and it's not just about homework. It's about evolving. What's happening in, in real estate is that, is that the trend is that technology is doing more and more of what a real estate agent used to do. That's a fact. But instead of being, instead of, you can either ignore that or you can be scared of that. You can fear that, or you can go, oh, that, so that means I need to evolve what I do to, if I want to continue to remain competitive, then I need right. to evolve what I do. 
And so the whole goal of Homeward here is to say, here, take this and go evolve your value in the transaction and in the world of real estate and lead with it. Um, go get more customers that way and have them bring you the closing gift instead of you being, bringing them the closing gift because they're so thankful that you solve problems for them in ways they would have never realized and take all the credit for it. Like we're trying to build this company in a way that like is in the background. Like you, like all, if you didn't have to know Homeward ever existed, that would be, we would have achieved our goal. Um, and that's what we're trying to, that's what we're trying to do. So it's, it honestly, it was built. There's a long winded way of telling, saying that, you know, I built this thing to solve my own lead generation problem. We tripled the business um, in, in, by, by, in the course of, of doing that. And what I want is I want other forward thinking business owners to come ask me how, how to do the same thing so that we can set them up and help them do the exact same thing. I love that. I love it so much. And I love your passion around that. I love hearing about the nonprofit you guys are starting. And I remember we were at, I think we went to the Grove. It was you, me and Diane. And you were, I think Jen was with us too. And you were, you were telling us why you did it. And you were solving a problem because for those of you who are listeners, you know, in Austin and in different states, you know, the homeowner knew they could sell, right? You could, you put it on the market, you list it, you sell. The problem is where do they go, right? Where do they go? Because now they become one of those guys, the one of 30 or 50 or 90 people writing offers on a property, right? And so that, that's the pain point for the homeowner who needs to move because it's not that they won't sell the property. It's that, will they get the property, right? And, and iBuyers kind of, you your iBuyer solution is opposite of the iBuyer ones that are out there that are really not great for the seller because there's nothing about, it doesn't solve that problem. And that problem is the biggest problem, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they solve different problems. Look, if you're yeah. trying to sell your house without having to lift a single finger, right. um, that and then it solves that problem. Sure. If you're, if, if, if you're, it just depends on what you're optimizing for. And so what Homeward, the, the core problem, which I totally skipped over, which was dumb of me, I just wasn't trying to focus on, on, on Homeward as much as just the, the what we're doing from a big picture, but it, but I appreciate you bringing it up. What the core problem that Homeward solves first and foremost is the bridge. There's been bridge loans forever, but they're risky for consumers. They're expensive. Right. They're hard to use. They're, right. There's all kinds of problem, problems with them. And so what we did is we created a modern bridge solution that's designed around the consumer and the agent so that you can buy your next house before you go through the process of listing your home, even though all your, all your net worth is tied up in your, in your home equity. And so um, it's, it's like intuitive that um, somebody could give you credit for all this equity that you have and, so, and like let you go buy before you sell, but it true, truly is like was not historically very possible. For well, most people. And, so well, and, then you, and, then you it, and then you took it, Tim, to the next level because you're like, oh, Melanie. And then we have the next version of that, which is the cash what version, which is, hey, if you don't have a house to sell because of these multiple offer situations, people, uh, a lot of who had financing or not enough money down or whatever, you became that solution as well to help people yeah. get homeownership. So, so now, I and, now, now and now we're turning home sellers and we're basically saying, Hey, whatever offer you get on the house, you can yeah. convert it to cash with homeward. And so all kinds of use cases, basically if the agent could give their client, any client, the power of cash, would that solve a problem? The power of cash turning, whatever the offer is into a cash offer, what kinds of problems could that solve? And it's really exciting to see a lot of these now being Put out into the world and it's amazing. and, uh, and it's amazing. Tim, when you started, how did you raise? Wasn't it twenty five million in uh, venture capital or backing or? or you, know, you know what I did was I raised four million dollars in venture capital and twenty million dollars in. It allowed me so in order to get the kind of debt you need to 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 buy these homes, you have to have a lot of liquidity. Right. And so you have to mil millions of dollars in liquidity. They call it restricted capital. Capital is going to sit in the bank account and not be touched. And so what I did was I, I went and raised venture capital, mostly to serve as liquidity that allowed me to get a bunch of um, bank capital. And that allowed me to do a few deals. And after doing a few deals, then I was able to go get the capital. I mean, now we've raised, you know, almost 200 million in equity capital and, and um, almost, almost a billion dollars now in, in, in debt capital. And that, and that has enabled us to really scale this thing up and, and, um, and we got a long way to go. And, and truthfully, we got a long way to go and we're not going to get anywhere without, um, without the support of really great real estate agents. So my goal every day is to figure out how do we design this thing? How do we tweak the design of our business, our culture, our brand, our product, our, our experience, our strategy? How do we tweak it yeah. to make it even better for, for real estate agents and real estate teams 
And so I'm meeting with agents and teams every day, trying to answer that question and, and, uh, you know, got a long way to go still, but it's fun. <laughs> so, so when you think about the idea of the second half, like I described to you, you know, like you've really set yourself, cause you're still a really young guy. I'm, I'm sure you're starting to feel not, not like not such a young guy because you got three kids at home. In the fourth quarter. <laughs> okay. Well, that's my question to you. I don't know how you feel about your life, but with the second half, like, what are you doing differently today than you would have, you know, even five years ago? Because I've seen you grow so immensely in the last five years, especially. What are you doing yeah. different today to make sure that you're winning in the second half? Being thoughtful. Um, and, and that's like, uh, not to say that I'm like the most thoughtful person by any means, but I've my, I spent the first half of my career being a hard charging sales guy. And that served me in a lot of ways early on. Um, but I made tons of mistakes by being reckless or um, moving too fast, not writing things down. And um, not, you know, like one of the things today is like, I write everything down. Um, our whole company has a culture of like, um, I think, uh, yeah, just like not to get too off, off, off base. Like the, one of our core values at Homeward is calm, calm focus. And it's like, that's the opposite of real estate. Um, that's the opposite of high tech, high growth venture, uh, businesses. It's the opposite of sales and like, my, it's the opposite of the way I used to operate. But what I realized is that, um, you can get a lot more done. You can get a lot further, a lot faster, um, when you are, um, taking a calm focused approach and being thoughtful, writing things down and honestly, just like prioritizing. I operate from like a ruthless set of priorities that I'm, I'm, Re reprioritizing almost daily, like just to make sure that and just like constantly going back to that. And that has like served me very, very well in the second half. Um, the first half was hustle, hustle, hustle. The second half is like make better decisions, be more thoughtful, ask more questions, slow down. And that's like, it's, it's really served me very well in the second half. I, I love it, Tim. And I wish we had five more hours to talk because you and I could do that. I'm incredibly proud of you as a, as a, as a father, as a husband, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as, as a friend. I am so proud of you. Thank you for all that you put out in the world because it's a brighter place. Hey, you. you always tell me that, but I'm really proud of you too. You've done, you're one of the most consistent, determined people that I've ever met in my life. And I just love seeing you continuing to just hammer away at your dreams. And, and uh, it's, it's really inspiring. It's really inspiring from the outside to see. You're impacting people every day, my dear. So many great takeaways. Gosh, I love so much that Tim looked up and said, what is the problem that I can solve? How can I add more value to the people that I serve? And from anything from building his real estate empire to creating Homeward and now this new nonprofit, what an impact he's making on our entire industry. And this from a guy that got his real estate license while he was in college as a backup plan has now gone on and he's just beginning, but has gone on to build businesses that are so inspiring and so impactful and he's just beginning. So I really, really hope you had a lot of nuggets from this conversation with Tim Heil. And I will see you at the next episode of The Second Half.